Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. We're so glad you tuned in today, and if you're in the area, come out and join us at our new home, located at 3035 Nicolette Street in Banning. If you are unable to attend, you can tune in on YouTube Live at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills, Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. And don't forget to join us for our worship on Instagram Live at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills, 30 minutes before the YouTube broadcasts. We would also like to encourage you to check out our website at calvarychapelsweethills.org where you can keep up on the current messages, ministries, and happenings at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills. Today our teaching is in the book of 2 Kings chapter 19. Here's Pastor Ryan. How does that happen to so many of us? Where we lose our first love. Where there was a time where Jesus was first. His will was first and ours Oh, we'll get to it when we get to it. Whatever you want, Lord, I'll do anything because you died for me on the cross. Anything. It's so easy for us to lose our first love. We see here that it took him almost losing the kingdom before he goes, humbles himself with tearing of his clothes, wearing sackcloth, and, it, and he went into the house of the Lord. We are told in other scriptures that it was his pride that got to him. That he was so successful, so blessed, that it got to his head. And so rather than acknowledging and understanding that every blessing that he had was from the Lord, and the Lord's grace, unmerited favor, he began to think that his successes were because of himself. Scary, guys. Scary that someone can do so much good work for the Lord and then come to a place where God blesses his life and then he begins to think it, the success was because of him. It's scary. Success can be scary. In the world, all we think about is like money, success. You come to the Lord and you realize, is that really what's best for me spiritually? That I have money to buy whatever I want, whenever I want? Will that be what's best for me spiritually? Or will I forget the Lord and tend to pull away from seeking Him, praying to Him, walking with Him, sharing the gospel? Not everyone can handle success. And I remember for years asking the Lord to bless the ministry. But in the slow process of him molding my life, he taught me that I needed to learn to be hum more humble, more patient, more loving, more careful, more serious, more responsible before he can bless and that it needed to be in his timing lest I be puffed up with pride. The Bible says don't lay hands on anyone hastily. Don't, don't lay hands, meaning don't anoint and don't ordain anybody quickly lest they be puffed up with pride. Which is what the devil, Lucifer, 
sinned was his great sin was pride he thought that he was someone when the reality all of us are nothing and only God is something pride is I believe the root of all evils and like I said before it's self-sufficiency Hezekiah stopped depending on the Lord and began to trust in himself He began to lean on his own understanding rather than trusting in the Lord. He began to figure out his own life and his own problems by himself rather than seeking the Lord for his daily bread. Oh Lord, help us to learn to be humble as you are humble, Lord, to be meek and to seek you every day for our daily bread, spiritual, physical, in everything that we need, Lord. The most, one of the greatest signs of pride is a lack of prayer as Christians we cannot breathe without prayer we cannot breathe without communicating with the Lord every day so to separate ourselves from him and to spend very little if no prayer and they're just the quick ones while we're driving and the quick ones at dinner But there's no real sitting at the foot of the cross with the Lord. It's like not breathing. We can't succeed without it. It is in those times of prayer where God breaks down our pride that we don't even know at times we have. Usually with pride, it's other people that recognize it in us before we do. Amen? But there's very, there's, 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 proud attitudes that we can have there's the mistreatment of others there is the seeking of uh, satisfying ourselves and our needs rather than the needs of others when we're humble we're like servants with the lord seeking how we can serve others bless others care for others when we're humble like the lord we can receive correction without being overly hurt and overly or upset he who is often corrected and hardens his neck, the Bible says, is a fool. Where spouses can't hear from the other spouse and there's no correction that can be had in the house without blowing up. Kids speaking to their parents with attitude or giving dirty looks or brushing off mom and dad. Mom and dad don't ever let that happen. Or their sin is your sin. I know they're cute, but still, they're sinners. <laughs> Proverbs 16, verse 18 and 19 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Before destruction comes pride, but with humility comes honor. Being dependent on the Lord will bring you and I honor, good honor. When we spend time with the Lord, how can we forget that everything good that we have comes from Him? It's when we don't spend time with Him, when we begin to think, Oh, you know, I have some change in the bank now. I have a good job. Things are going well. I got a house now. I got a car now. Oh, you know. Have some success in my life. Oh, if we don't spend time with the Lord in prayer, those things will destroy us. And it's relevant to everybody. Everyone's different, you know what I mean? 
I read the story of Hezekiah and I, I love the guy. He's a blessing, but there's such a huge warning. For me in this position, like I said, I'm terrified. And as I was seeking the Lord, you know, there's a difference between Hezekiah and you and I. The Holy Spirit dwelleth in us and, will, and is with us as a guarantee that we are going to heaven. We have that, that guard of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that yearns jealousy. Thank God for his Holy Spirit in a believer's heart that says, what are you doing? Give God the glory. What are you doing with this selfish ambition, selfish thoughts? What are you Holy Spirit does that, right? In Galatians 6, verse 3, it says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If we think that we're something, we deceive ourselves. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 9, And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. We serve a humble king. We serve a humble king who took the role of a servant. And to be great in his kingdom is to be a servant of all. And so, again, we can't serve others if we don't even first serve the Lord. If we don't, we're not close to the Lord. We need to be close to the Lord in order to stay humble. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 29, verse 1 and 2, you've heard it before. Give unto the Lord, you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord the glory and glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So throughout scriptures, it's giving God the glory. Giving God the glory. God, if we want to be blessed by God, we need to be willing to give him the glory. Why are we praying for that thing? Is it for his glory or for selfish ambition? Something to pray about and think about. In Psalm 115, verse 1, it says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory, because of your mercy, because of your truth. And so, it's important to remain humble. And there's no other way to be humble than to pray like our Lord. There's just no other way. The Holy Spirit will give us humility. The Holy Spirit will give us humility but we have to ask and we have to submit to the Lord and it'll come and when we're humble the Lord pours out his grace and grace is all that Hezekiah received in his life grace grace and we should never ever try to take the credit for God's grace ever ever it is by grace that we have a spouse it is by grace that we have clothing, food, and drink. It is grace. It is grace. And it says that he went to the house, into the house of the Lord. And the question is, how important is the house of the Lord? You know the story gets turned around, but he, when does it get turned around? When Hezekiah goes into the house of the Lord. What's interesting about the temple of the Lord is that, remember when it was built during Solomon's time. 
I mean, David acknowledged, Solomon acknowledged, you know, no house can contain you, Lord. No building can contain the Lord. The Lord said it himself. No building can contain him. God is everywhere. He's omnipotent. God is in our homes. God is in our cars. He's, he's omnipotent. He's everywhere. All at once. Amen? He's everywhere. It is a blessing to pray at home. It is a blessing to find a secluded place and to go and to pray from time to time like the Lord did. But how important is a temple? Should we believe that this place with the four walls or whatever, that God doesn't bless this place? I agree with the statement. He's everywhere and he can be contained in these walls. That's for sure. But would it be a, the despising of God's gift if we don't believe that when we come here, there is a special blessing because his people gather here and by faith we believe that he meets us here? Just like in Solomon's time, the Lord told Solomon, okay, I can't be contained in this temple, but I'll be in the temple. And if your people, and if your people sin, but they come bearing fruits of you know, repentance, I'll forgive them in that temple. And, I'll, and if they come bringing offerings, I'll accept their offerings in that temple. And if anyone's ever in trouble and they come to this temple, I will hear their prayers and I will bless them and heal them. That's what he said about the temple, but yet people say, oh, it's not about a church building. I agree to some extent, but not fully. I've seen my brethren already in this short time since August weeping in this place. I have seen my brethren in this place rejoicing. I have seen healings. I have seen people giving their lives to Jesus Christ. We have ministered to our community in this place. Please don't tell me that coming here isn't important. This is God's house. This is God's house. And we all come by faith expectantly. In Psalm 20 verse 1 says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Remember the psalmist in 73 when he was taking a, a kind of look at an observation of the world and the wicked around him. And he saw how the wicked prospered and he saw in the world that, that those who could care less about God seemed to be prospering. All, you know, their children were healthy, they were blessed and all of these, you know, he's speaking about the wicked. He had this and he was losing heart. And he said in Psalm 73, verse 13, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. In other words, he was losing heart and seeing the ways of the wicked, how they prosper. He was losing heart until he came into the house of the Lord and he, had a, he, he gained a different point of view, the right point of view, that the end of the wicked is death and hell. And that though he was going through some trials, as a godly man, he would be blessed. But his, he, he got into a right frame of mind as soon as he came into the house of the Lord. Then, verse 2, it says, He sent Elakim, 
who was over the household of Shebna, uh, Shebna, the, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of uh, Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of, of the Rabshakeh, that's the captain of the Assyrian army, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. And so he comes out from this prayer time in the temple with serious directives. He tells the priests, he tells his ambassadors, go get the prophet Isaiah. Think about that. He had no answers. He was in anguish. He was in despair, not knowing what's going to happen to his kingdom. Knowing no doubt he had sinned. Knowing no doubt he was not seeking the Lord like he should have. And he comes up from the house of the Lord with clear directives. Go get Isaiah the prophet. That's who we need. Go get the man of God. That's who we need. That's what happens when we come expectingly to church. When we say, I don't want to come and get entertained, Lord. I want to hear from you and your word. We come out with clear directives to what's going on in our lives. And it's go call the prophet Isaiah. And as I was praying about this today, I was thinking, man, you know. Hezekiah was like a prophet king there for a while. Maybe he should have stayed that way. Isaiah, go call him because he's ready. If anyone's ready, I know Isaiah's ready. If anyone's a man of God, it's, it's Isaiah. He's not messing around. And I think Hezekiah could have been that had he turned to the Lord earlier. And I think all of us are, in a way, dual, should live dual All of us have dual occupations. One, the occupation that you have, your day job. But the other, is it not? That you're a man or woman of the word of God who preach the word of God to be ready? So then we're not always saying go call the man of God or go call the woman of God or go call the young man of God or the young lady of God. But no, we're ready. I'm ready, you're ready. You're not, we're not just plumbers and police officers and firemen and accountants and whatever. Mechanics. We're not just that. Are we? Shouldn't we be ready? Shouldn't we be ready? I think Hezekiah had a good relationship with Isaiah the prophet. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that respect came because they were both men of God. Continue to be a man or woman of God. Continue to understand that you're to be and I am to be built up in the word of God so that you're not just a student student in the back, but you're, you're a Christian student who studies the word and is ready in and out of season to share our faith with those around us. That's who we are. Paul would say to Timothy, and I believe it's for the whole church, 2 Timothy 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance, appearing and and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching so in verse 5 it says the servants of king hezekiah came to isaiah and isaiah said to them 
Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. And here Isaiah responds quickly. This is what the Lord is saying. Don't fear his words. God's going to change the circumstance. The king is going to hear a rumor. And the rumor is going to pull him away from trying to attack you. And then he's going to die by the sword. I mean, how great is your God? A rumor. Doesn't need an army. Doesn't need to be locked and loaded. Just a rumor. A rumor. We are living in rumorous times, if that's a word. It's a well-guessed word. We are living in rumorous times. You know, rumor, according to Webster's 1828, it means flying or popular report, a current story passing from one person to another without any known authority for the truth of it. Oh my gosh, right? Rumors. A story flying around without any truth or evidence. Well, we got the lesson God can turn things around with the rumor. But it's also a reminder how powerful words and rumors are that are not based on evidence or fact. I'm shocked at what's going on in our country. I'm shocked at what's going on with the media that you cannot have a difference of opinion nowadays without being censored and shut down and canceled. It's un believable to me it's unbelievable to me that that the media can push narratives that they want us to believe and they say it is fact and already proven that's their evidence their evidence is saying to us it's already disproven that's all they have to say well show me when how where and what what do you mean it was disproven what do you mean the evidence shows that there's no facts. They don't have to show us. They don't have to show us facts, evidence. They expect us in America to believe them because they say so. And I warn, and I warn, and I warn. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe it just because the media says it. I wish we we're living in a time where we can trust our teachers and our doctors and our lawyers and our judges and our politicians and our presidents and our kings and our whatever. But we are not in heaven. I can assure you, you can trust the media in heaven. But here, please, please be Bereans. Test all things. Don't believe every rumor. Show me the evidence. Can we say that? Show me the evidence. That's a time that we're living in. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 22, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. It's time for us to hold fast to what is truth and to be careful, very careful. Sift everything out through prayer. 
if we are in prayer and we are in the word of God and we are in the house of God we will not be easily deceived it's when we start pulling away from those things that people start getting perspectives that are not biblical people Satan comes to deceive to deceive us that we are okay without Christ, without fundamental Christian, Christian, Christian practices. We are okay without it. And that's not true. That's not true. And Jesus, you read, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath in Nazareth, as was his custom. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio with the Bible teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein. If you're in the area, come out and join us at our new location at 3035 Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube Live at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills, Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. If you would like more information or would like to send a gift to the ministry, check out our website at calvarychapelsweethills.org or you can call us at 951-572-2309. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above-